So let's go in the Bible then to Luke chapter 10. And let us begin our two-part ministry to you. Our two-part ministry to you. Praise the Lord. Now if you're taking the cards, fill them out before you leave and give them back to me. Don't take them home with you unless you're the kind of person that's responsible to bring it back. Praise the Lord. But I only have 30. Okay. So Jesus replied and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. But a Samaritan who was on a journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion and came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And on the next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Praise the Lord. Okay, so we're having two services about an issue that's really very important. Let me ask you this question. How many of you really want to do what God wants you to do? How many of you believe that what God wants you to do is something really big? And that you cannot do that without His help? That if you're able to do it without God's help, then it's the wrong thing you want to do. Anything you can do alone, God is not divine. So you need divinity in your life. You need the divine things of God in your life. You need the supernatural functioning in your life. You need divine activity that God is the only one that can be blamed for. You don't want to just do things you can do with your own intellect and your own talent and your own abilities because you'll take the credit for it because it's natural. But if it's supernatural and beyond your ability and God does it through you, then you know it's something divine that will last forever because it is an eternal thing. So when you got saved, God immediately assigned to you an eternal life. So you have your natural life, and then you have an eternal life. If you're not careful, you will spend your whole life in your natural life, and then when you die, you will just go there alone with nothing following you of any eternal value. You don't want to die, stand in front of God, and have nothing at all to show for your existence on planet earth the obedience to God, the faith towards God, the call of God, the destiny of God, and the blessings of God. You don't want to do that. You want to die and take with you the life God assigned to you, the destiny life that he gets all the glory for, he gets all the honor for, and he gets all the praise for. The truth is that most of us are not living that life. We are not experiencing what I am saying. And so I want to present it to you today and show you how all this works. The only life that will make you happy is the life God has assigned you to. The only life that will drive away the demons of loneliness, despair, disappointment, emptiness, heartache, pain, and carnal existence is that life which God's hand is upon. Praise the Lord. Say these words out loud. I was born to be a healer. Turn to somebody and tell them that. I was born to be a healer. 
You see, when you got saved, you didn't get saved just so you could go to heaven. You got saved so you could become a healer. Every single Christian has been assigned the same purpose, which is to heal people with their existence. You're not just supposed to be a normal, average person. God wants to add to you divinities and supernatural things in your life that heal other people. Even though all of you are different in your personalities, education, backgrounds, and all those things, yet God thinks you're special enough to give you a healing life. Now, in my research, I have found over 50 types of healing lives that a person can live. For example, you may be the person that God gives a special singing voice to. When you sing without the healing gifts in your voice, people say, wow, that's beautiful. She or he has a really beautiful gift or a really beautiful talent. That was beautiful. And they go away unchanged but impressed. But when God takes one of his nine gifts and puts it in your voice, and then you sing, in your notes is the gift of healing, which goes out and heals the cancer of a person sitting there listening to you, or heals insanity in somebody, or heals a marriage while they're sitting there listening because the voice, though it's just as the other voice is, special and beautiful, carries in it the healing life that you as a person have been assigned. If, for example, you have been assigned the healing life of an entrepreneur, a man or a woman who can create businesses and make millions of dollars easily, you know that God has given you the ability to make money. If this is your healing life, then you as an entrepreneur, a man or a woman who can create business, make millions of dollars you know that. God put it in you. You have the skill to do it. Now God says to you, I want you to duplicate yourself in 100 other people. I want you to train them to make money so they can bless my kingdom, rescue orphans, take care of widows, feed the poor, build a local church, and win souls. So now you as a businessman have found your healing life. You now raise up 100 people, teach them the secrets you have learned through hard work, and through the abilities of the wisdom of the Holy Spirit, you raise up these men and women. They now, in turn, start making millions of dollars. Now the healing begins to spread all over the kingdom of God and all over the church. Are you with me so far? Fifty different types of healing lives that you can live. Tonight, we're going to pray for you to receive the gifts that God wants you to have, and there's over 50 of those that God wants you to receive. Because as you are, you cannot do what you were born to do, which means two things are going to happen. One, you're going to be unhappy. That is for sure. Two, you're going to have battles with all types of emotional problems. And three, your relationships will not be the ones that God intended for you to have. Praise the Lord. But say it again. Put your hand right here and say, I'm born to be a healer. I am a walking hospital. I am a medicine, I am a cure, I am an answer, I am a solution, I am a divine appointment, I deliver people, I break chains, I set the captives free, I educate, I train, I mentor, I teach, I build, I explore, I invent, I am full of God, 
full of the Holy Ghost, full of the Spirit of God, and I cannot be held back. I cannot be defeated. I cannot be destroyed. I will not be buried under a mountain of failure, sin, grief, pride, ego, selfishness, self-centeredness, misdirection, deception, or egotistical vanities. I am a healer. And God is going to teach me how to heal everybody that comes near me. Give somebody a high five and say, that is a word from God for you today. As we read this portion of Scripture, so here's what I want to say. Just let me put this back. You're going to fail if you're not a healer. You're going to be unhappy if you're not a healer. There is no happiness in selfish living. There is no happiness in separated sectarianism. There is no happiness in excluding anybody from your life. There's no happiness in any form of hatred, resentment, or racism. There are no racists in heaven. You cannot go to heaven if you hate people that you do not know. Anybody who hates a person they do not personally know is probably a racist. So understand that it's okay to hate people you know. <laughs> However, you can't hate them for very long, just like a couple of few seconds. But you can hate them, and it's normal to hate people. Now you're looking at me like I'm preaching heresy. I'm not preaching heresy. I'm preaching the realities of our life. If someone hurts my children, I'm going to hate them for a little while. But I'm going to hit my knees and make sure that hate does not become my pastor. I'm going to hit my knees and get the hate out because I don't want to pass that on as an inheritance to my children. But I am going to hate. People who do bad things to these little children like Suseli and rape her at five years old, I will hate that person for a little while. But because I'm a man of God, I go to my knees and I drive the hate out and let the love take over. That's what a Christian does. That's what a man of God does. You cannot hate people you do not know intimately and are not fully aware of their true character. If you hate a person for the color of their skin, any color, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. You're going to burn in the fires of hell, and there's nothing you can do about it because you're not a Christian and you are not saved because no one who hates people is saved if they hate them permanently, especially if you don't know them. Now, don't get mad at me and hate me and all that. I hate that preacher. He told me I hated people. I hate him now. I hate <laughs> See what I'm saying? And I'm trying to help you. Praise the Lord. You're in an integrated church. It's a sign and a wonder on planet earth. But it's what heaven is like. There are no black churches in heaven. There's no white churches in heaven. You don't go to heaven and say, show me my people. Where do I sit? Because God is not colorblind like some say he is. God is not colorblind. He's color coordinated. Color coordinated means he doesn't ignore your color. He celebrates it. This is the difference. 
God is not, is not blind to a thing that you are. He actually accentuates everything about you and celebrates everything about you. Everything about you is a wonder to God because He made you out of Himself. So you are divine in your essence. Now you must climb the ladder to your behavior. You must receive the heart of a healer who doesn't just want to heal straight people, but will heal homosexuals as well. You must receive the heart of a healer who won't just heal white people. They'll heal black folks as well. And they'll heal white, uh, uh, brown folks and yellow folks and rainbow folks. They'll heal everybody. That's the heart of Jesus. That's what Jesus is like. And that's what heaven is like. You're a healer, but you can't heal people if you're, you know, just certain groups. That's satanic. That's of the devil. You won't go to heaven. You don't know God. You're not saved. You're just religious. Saved people love everybody. Every single person. But they can't hate people they know. Let's just make that real clear. Now, you may have a battle for a while with that hate, but you'll get rid of it sooner or later. Just stay on your knees long enough. The love of God will come there, and it'll cleanse it. Some wounds are very deep. And you can't be insensitive towards people whose child has been raped or wife has been molested or something like that happens. You can't just, oh, just get over it. Religious people talk like that. We don't. We weep with them. We weep with them as long as it takes. And we walk gently with them, hand in hand, until they come out slowly into the light and can find their place of wholeness again. Because sometimes what happens to people you love hurts you worse than what happens to you. Say it again. I'm born to heal people. There are things in me I have not yet released, discovered, or brought out into the light. But they're coming out. This is the day. Look at two people and say, this is the day. Just say it out loud. Holla, 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 holla. Praise God. When you look at the word healing... And healed, restore, make healthy, repair, rejuvenate, um, health. When you look at those words in the Bible, in the Old Testament and New Testament, and you combine those Hebrew words and those Greek words, and you study those things out to find what their true inner deep meanings are, that is called researching, and that is what I have done for you. So I'm not going to give you all those Hebrew and Greek words. I'm just going to give you the final uh, summarized summarize definitions so you can know what God is about to do to you right now. Amen. Right now. Because let me tell you the secret. A sick thing cannot heal a sick thing. So if you are sick, you cannot heal anybody. So before I take you to tonight where you are gifted and empowered, I must get you healed. So this is a healing service for you. It is where your insides get healed and your life gets repaired so you can then in turn go repair. So this is the time to let your armor down, take off all your defenses, lower down everything that you ever used to protect yourself against the Holy Spirit invasion into some area of your life you may not want God to go. Remember these three thoughts. 
When God is ready to promote you, He will send someone to offend you. If you love that person, you will be promoted. If you do not love them, you reactivate a retest. Two, when God is ready to change you, He will ask you to do something you hate. If you do it, you are transformed. If you don't do it, you activate a retest. Three, when God is ready to empower you, He will ask you to do something you're afraid of. If you do it, you will be empowered and liberated for the rest of your life. And these are three things that are going to begin to happen in your life as a healer. Because God wants you not to be manipulated or controlled by the imperfections of the people around you. He does not want the things you hate to control your choices. And he doesn't want what you're afraid of to become your Holy Spirit. Is anybody with me? Are you alive? Are you listening to my words? Okay, remember that when you are religious-minded, you don't come to church to change. You come to church to feel God's presence. People that come to church to feel God's presence will soon stop feeling it because they don't change. Feeling the presence of God is temporary when there is no transformation because the way you feel God's presence is by changing when the Holy Spirit speaks to you. If you come to church with no Bible and nothing to write on and no way of recording what God speaks to you, it is a sign that you are intellectually saved but experientially disconnected from the movings of the Holy Spirit in your life. You may be saved intellectually but experientially because you're not letting God make you a new person unless you think you have arrived. Anybody? Nobody has arrived. So why are we in church? We're not here just to feel the presence of God. We're here to change. Into what? Medicine. A hospital. A deliverer. A healer. That's your purpose for being born again. That's why you're alive. That's why God saved you. And going to heaven is just one of the benefits. But the purpose for you being on this earth is shy you, introverted you, messed up you. It's going to get healed. And you are going to become a healer. You will become a doctor. You will become a person that restores people. A person that gives people back their sanity, their hope, their joy, their freedom, their health, their wholeness. That is you. There are things in you that you alone have. No one else has that, and no one else can have that because God is not the God of everybody's the same. He's the God of everybody's different while we all walk together in unity as totally different people. So diversity with unity becomes the sign of the presence of God moving in a group of people. Individuality without everybody being a puppet of everybody else, becomes the sign of the presence of God celebrating the beauty of who you are as a person. That's why you never want to copy another person's ministry because then you forfeit your own. Be who you are because who you are is going to be amazing enough once who you are is seen, received, and absorbed. Praise God.
Hug three people around you and say, man, you need this really bad. I don't need it at all. I, I have a rhyme. So we read in Luke chapter 10, we read in Luke chapter 10 these, these beautiful words, and it says that this man fell into the hands of thieves, right? And these are the, three th the four things that happened. He fell into the hands of thieves. It, they stripped him. They wounded him, and they left him for dead. Those four things have happened to pretty much every person in this room. Somebody has stolen from you. Somebody has wounded you. Somebody has beat you, and someone has abandoned you. Those four issues pretty much cover all of life for all of us. If you're weird today, if you're weird, if you're like a weird person, it's because of one of those four things. If you're crazy, like you're crazy, right? You're like crazy. It's because of one of those four things. The good news is God can heal them all. And he can heal them all now. Remember, when you lose your appetite for God in church, it means that you have a locked Bible and that you can no longer sense the Holy Spirit because you have become sterile to God. So now, the preaching does not stir you up or change you, and the music does not move you. You're actually simply enduring church to go do what you really enjoy doing and go listen to what you really enjoy hearing. You are tuned to someone other than the Holy Spirit. Whatever you're tuned to, whatever you're tuned to becomes the most exciting and fun thing that you do. Praise the Lord. So, here are the, the definitions of these words of what's about to happen to you here this morning. Number one, the, the first word for this word healing and all those words I mentioned is to mend by stitching. So when the Holy Spirit comes down this morning, He's going to mend things and stitch them together inside you. Praise the Lord. Say this, mend me, God, and stitch me together. Praise the Lord. Secondly, it means to pour in the cures of Calvary. Say, Lord, pour in the cures of Calvary into my life. Three, it means to, re to replace the rotting pieces. To replace the rotting pieces with eternal parts. Four, to reverse the decaying of your mind. Five, to renew the unusable pieces of you. Five or six, whichever it is, to recreate something divine from nothingness. This is healing, wholeness, repair, restoration, health. Uh, to remove all forms of death by divine breath. So as the Holy Spirit breathes on you, death goes out of you. Amen. That's what you feel when you sing a song and the presence of God is on you. And you weep and you haven't wept for years, but this time you're weeping. You don't know why you're weeping. You just can't stop weeping. The song is so beautiful. The words are so perfect and they're doing something inside you. You're being breathed on. 
death is exiting your DNA and life is entering. And when you lose that, because you don't have a relationship with God's Word in private, that's when you lose it. When you don't have a relationship with the Word in private, you will lose all the things I'm mentioning. Okay? And then the last one is to surround with immunity. So when God heals you, He surrounds that area He heals with immunity so it cannot get sick again. Give somebody a high five and say, Jesus, I need this really bad. Let's say it all together again. A sick thing cannot heal a sick thing. Praise the Lord. Do you want to be made well? Okay, so let's look at what needs to happen this morning, and let's go right down and get it done. We'll finish this up uh, in two parts tonight, because tonight is impartation, prophetics uh, flowing, gifts of the Holy Spirit, plus the finding of your gifts, the imparting of new gifts, and the calling out of buried gifts. All this is going to take place tonight as you become the healer you were born to be. Praise God. For example, someone here may have the gift, the healing life of hospitality. Now, not everybody's hospitable. Praise the Lord. I have been to people's homes where the person cooked, and there was, you know, 15 people there, and they cooked a very little meal. And I'm thinking, there's no way that's going to feed 15 people. So you just take a little tiny bit. And it has always made me feel awkward. So I always tell my wife, make three times more than what is needed. Because I don't want people to leave here hungry and I want them to eat all that they want. Praise the Lord. That doesn't make me hospitable. Hospitable is my wife who we hardly have gone through one week in our entire lives where we do not have guests at our home or we have had 40 people live with us in our entire marriage. We've only had two years where we've lived alone. We have people living with us now. Because when you're hospitable, it's a gift. You want people to come to your house so you can heal them. So what a hospitable person does is they make a meal, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in the meal. So when you eat, you get healed while you're eating the lasagna. You say, what's happening? I just, <laughs> because the anointing is actually in the lasagna. You may think this is weird, but it's not. They get saved at the table. They get baptized in the Holy Ghost at the table. And they th just think it's some mysterious event happening, but it's not. It happens that that person has got the gift of hospitality and the healing life of being hospitable and making feel every person of every background like their home and like their family. And when you have the power to make every person feel like they're part of your family, you have a healing life and a healing gift that will Men, that breach inside that rejected person who has never been accepted by anybody except you because they have entered your healing life and in your healing life all the gifts flow and they restore everybody within the vicinity of that lasagna. See, some of you will die and never do what God calls you to do. And you're going to have to face God with that disobedience in your life. For example, some of you may have the gift 
of healing people with your personality. Now, not everybody has that gift. Some people don't have a personality. Isn't that true? And then other people have 20, 30, or 40 personalities. Some people have witchcraft in their personality. This is our third book coming out that I just finished, The 21 Types of Witchcraft Personalities. It's very powerful. But some people, in their personality, they have witchcraft. Intimidation, judgment, criticism, meanness, confrontationalism, and all the other things. All witchcraft inside the personality. But there are some people who are so close to the Holy Spirit, they're so tender-hearted and sweet, that when you literally get up to them and they talk to you, the love of God flows out of their personality like water and like a river, and your heart instantly melts and softens because of the beauty that's coming out of that person. They have the healing life of their personality. They heal people by their personality. It's very beautiful and very rare. But some of you are called by God to have that, and you cannot have it if your heart is sick. It's got to be whole and healed and not broken and not bleeding and all those things. Praise the Lord. So let's go on the journey. Number one, very powerful and very important. Praise the Lord. And, and I want you to think of this. The first thing you have to be healed of is wounds. A wound, according to the words in the Bible, means this, to rip the soul until it leaks out all of life. So if you're wounded, someone has ripped your soul and you're leaking out until you have nothing left in you. You're just an empty shell because of the wounds that are all over your life that are leaking life out of you. Put your hand right here and say, I receive healing for every wound in my life. In the name of Jesus, I will not live wounded. I forgive those that have ripped my soul, torn it open, and poured poisons inside. And I receive healing now that I will not be wounded and not live with wounds anymore in the name of Jesus. Praise God. Now hug somebody and say, God is talking to you this morning. Number two. Number two is we have to be healed of hurts. There's scriptures for these, but because of time, I'm just giving you these, okay? Uh, that was Psalm 147.3, but hurts, which means to reshape the heart with constant pain. So the word hurt is when somebody constantly sends pain your way. This is not the ripping, this is the beating. It literally is to pound the soul over and over with pain until you reshape the soul. Because you have somebody in your life who all they do is beat you down and beat you and beat you and beat you and it causes your soul to be hurt. Ripping is different. This is the reshaping of you as a human being. You literally become a monster due to pain. Or you can let God heal you and you become a minister. Pain makes us selfish. 
Selfish people are people that are full of pain. Healers don't have pain so they can look up and start detecting pain in others. When you're hurt, you cannot be a healer because you're looking in. When your pain is gone, you can look up and say, oh, I see your pain, and you can walk over there and begin to heal the pain that's in other people. Put your hand right here. Say, Dear Jesus, pour in oil right now and wine right now and reshape my soul. Take all the pain that's inside me from any member of my family or any person that I have known since I was little until today. I no longer want to be pounded by this pain that's inside of me. Take it out of me now and heal me, Jesus. I forgive them and I let them go. There's many types of hurts. We cannot cover them all. I'm praying that prayer because many of you have never even had that done. So we're just going through the healing right now because a sick thing cannot heal a sick thing. Praise the Lord. Say it out loud. I was born to be a healer. I'm going to be whole. And I'm going to heal people and change this world. I will not be a victim. I will not live in prisons of my mind, of my emotions, of my heart, or of my spirit. In Jesus' name. All the chains are breaking off of me today. Say it out loud. All the chains. Say it out loud. All the chains are breaking off of me today. Praise the Lord. Then you have the healing of bitterness. Now, you cannot heal people if you're bitter. Bitterness is marinating in a cocoon of unforgiveness. We become the slaves of the people that we refuse to forgive. Anyone you choose not to forgive, they become your pastor. They mentor you while you sleep as you think about what they did to you. They control your attitudes at the kitchen table. They cause you to have anger that's uncontrollable. Resentments that you cannot... The ugly taste of life is in your mouth. Joy does not flow out of your personality. Love does not flow out of your personality. Peace is not in your mind. Because bitterness is an evil that goes into the root system and even causes physical cancer in many cases. Not all cancer is rooted in that, but many, many cancers are rooted in the acids that are released from having bitterness in your life. Praise the Lord. Our calling is sweetness, kindness, and the love of God. You see, this church will instantly double the day you all become healers. The day you become a healer, this church will double in one week. Because you won't be able to stop yourself from bringing people to church. 
You'll go to the grocery store today, and if you're activated, you'll say, hey, I can see you're going through a lot. Why don't you come to church with me tonight? And that's a total stranger. And they'll say, okay. You need me to pick you up? Let's go. And boom, you have all these people get saved. And they become healers. When you're in the presence of a healer, you become a healer. When you're in the presence of a sick person, you become sick. Bitterness comes out of the mouth. And it is indiscriminatory. In other words, you start out bitter towards a bad person. Then the bitterness turns inward towards the good people in your life, such as your wife, husband, and children. Now, bitterness cannot be controlled by you because it has gone into the cells of your body and is the root system of your soul. And now you're getting angry at the people who are assigned to love you in this life. The end result is that you're all alone and nobody cares about you because you, through your bitterness, have driven everyone away. Put your hand right here and say, Dear God in heaven, I will no longer be the slave of the people that have made me bitter. I reject bitterness in all of its forms. It is not going to kill me, destroy my attitudes, ruin my mindset, damage my disposition, or harm my conclusions. My perspective will be of the Holy Spirit. My perceptions will be of the Holy Spirit. And my conclusions will be from the Holy Spirit. Bitterness, get out of my life in the name of Jesus. I receive love, kindness, and mercy in the place of bitterness. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Then we have trauma. Trauma is the sudden invasion of violence into your life without your permission. Trauma is, for example, when a girl, a young child, is molested by her father or her brothers or strangers or friends. This is trauma. Trauma does not go out of your life by just time. Trauma sticks to you like tar until you confront it with the healing powers of the Holy Spirit because trauma makes us cowards. Once you have experienced enough trauma, you are now not willing to confront anything and anyone and you live a secret, hidden, fearful life and you live afraid and away from everything because you're too afraid to take any chances because you don't ever want to experience trauma again. The Holy Spirit heals you of trauma and makes you bold, brave, and courageous. And now you go confronting all those traumatic things and dealing with them, not only in your life, but now you become a healer of other people's trauma. To lose a child is trauma. To have a baby die is trauma. To have anybody you love die unexpectedly is a trauma. Amen. 
Let me tell you, I was reading this book, My Time in Heaven. I'm not saying this is gospel because you cannot prove it with scripture, but knowing God in my life, it sounds like him. And he's walking through heaven and the angel is walking with him. And he sees all these children running around everywhere, but they're all singing. They can have communication. They're talking, but they're in little bodies. And he says, well, what is going on here? He says, well, some children do not grow up until their parents get here. Aborted children of people who get saved. They just wait. Miscarriage children, they just wait. That's what it said. I'm not saying it's gospel. I'm not saying it's even true. It just really sounds good to me. God has ways of giving you back that which you have been bitter about losing. Do you hear what I'm saying? You don't know what God is going to do. But he is going to do something that when he's done doing it, you will not be bitter. Praise God. Amen. Would you put your arms around three people and say, please give me $100 right now. I'm not getting anything out of this. I'm almost done. It's 12-11. 12-11. Twelve eleven. I'm almost done. Twelve eleven. <laughs> then we have sick ideas. If you're going to heal someone, you cannot have sick ideas about the Bible or about God. Did you hear what I said? The Bible is full of sick, uh, full of uh, scriptures about people with sick ideas, sick beliefs, sick philosophies, sick ideologies. If you, for example, do not believe God heals, that's a sick idea. If you don't believe God saves people, that's a sick idea. If you don't believe God is good, that's a sick idea. If you believe God kills people, that's a sick idea. If you believe God killed your children, that's a sick idea. If you believe God's going to kill you, that's a sick idea. If you believe God harms people, that's a sick idea. If you believe God puts diseases on people, that's a sick idea. If you believe God is the author of death, that is a sick idea. If you believe God is a murderer, that is a sick idea. A preacher was full of lust and unhappy with his wife and said, I want, I'm going to invent a religion where I can marry all the women I want. So he invented this entire encounter with, with an angel, wrote a whole book about it, and started a new religion where all the men could marry as many women as they wanted. But the women couldn't. Just the men. The women can't marry whoever they wanted. They just have to be a part of a harem. So this man who started the Mormon church ended up with 60 wives, four of which were under the age of 12. That is a sick idea from a pedophile that started an entire religion, and I do not apologize for confronting that cult and that religion. And if you do, then you're just being foolish. There's sometimes for being tolerant. Let me say it this way. Misapplied mercy creates demonic opportunities. You be merciful to a pedophile and invite him into your house. He will rape your children when he gets a chance. 
And you and your wonderful mercy just made your children victims of your misapplied mercy. Things that take people to hell must be exposed. They must not be tolerated. Praise the Lord. Look at three people and say, holla, holla, it's getting hot in the kitchen. <laughs> say, that enchilada had too much hot sauce in there. <laughs> Sick ideas. Put your head on your mind, on your, a hand on your uh, mind. Say, God, I renounce the sick ideas that have ever entered my mind in Jesus' name. Whatever I think that doesn't come from you, I cast down and throw it into the fire like a poisonous snake. In Jesus' name, amen. I was a young man. I had only been saved maybe three weeks. I was 17. I was walking down the street after football practice and saw three white clothed creatures coming my way with long hair, white robes. As I approached them, they came up. It was one young man with long hair and two very beautiful young girls with long flowing blonde hair. And they stood in front of me and I said, who are you? And they had a lightning bolt on their robe, barefooted. They said, we are Jesus Christ lightnings. I said, Jesus Christ lightnings, what's that? They said, well, we believe that you can eat or smoke all the weeds of the field. I said, really? Yeah. They said, do you have any weed? I mean, I said, you mean reefers? <laughs> yeah. Do you have any reefers? We'd like to buy some. You're Jesus Christ lightnings. You believe in reefers? Smoking reefers? What else do you believe in? Free love? I said, free love? What is that? They said, well, we just believe in giving love away. I said, you mean if I give you reefers, will these two girls jump in the bushes with me? They said, yeah. I said, so you're whores for Jesus. That's what I said. I was a young man and not very, very refined as I am today. I said, so you think Jesus Christ, who I just met three weeks ago, wants you to be whores to strangers like me for weed? They looked at each other. I said, really? That's what you think? And they both started crying. He started cussing. I was barely saved, so I cussed back. <laughs> I said, if you keep talking, I'm going to knock you out. Now shut your mouth, you son of a blankety blank, 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 mother blankety blank, all the stuff. I'm barely saved. I haven't been to church yet. God used it. Ignorance is divine. So I, I talked to these girls and I said, why are you letting these people use you? God would never, if I had a daughter, I would never let her be treated that way. Do you think God, your father, wants you to be treated like this? And they literally said, one, the one on the left said, I'm going home right now and took off running. The other one said, I have nowhere to go. I said, go with her. And she took running after her. 
He just looked at me all right. I said, go ahead, cuss. Go ahead. Let's see what happens. And he turned around and walked off. No weed. No girls. Because a sick idea is easy to expose once you place the truth on it. Look at three people and say, praise God. Say, God loves me. God wants to bless me. God wants to help me. God wants to heal my family. And say it again, I'm a healer in the name of Jesus. My final point, my final point, think of it like this. A sick thing cannot heal a sick thing. So one of the things you have to get healed in your life, and this is very important, is painful memories. A memory is dangerous because it gives you nightmares. Nightmares are prophetic or satanic prophecies that you receive in your sleep. Satan prophesies to you while you're sleeping because of the painful memories that you still have inside you unhealed. Those memories can be the product of your own experience or things you've watched on TV or things you've seen other people do to other people. So God has to wipe your mind clean from those painful memories, heal your nightmares so you stop having them, and you only have dreams from God and nightmares. No, because how powerful is a nightmare when you have a nightmare and you feel all the feelings, experience all the experiences, and it's so terrible, and you wake up with the feeling of death on you. And that is a satanic prophecy directed to your life. No Christian should have nightmares. No Christian. And you can be free from them. I haven't had one in 46 years, and I will never have one. I go to bed listening to the Bible, wake up listening to the Bible, and listen to it all day long. Every free second, I pop it on, it starts coming on. I've already gone through the Bible, the whole Bible, three times this year. I'm not boasting. I'm just telling you, you learn the power of the Word of God and you put it in there because you don't want to leave any cracks for Satan to come in and give you some satanic prophecy about you or someone in your family or your health or life or anything. Who wants demons in their sleep? Do you? Don't you? Wouldn't you rather have peaceful dreams of beautiful things, prophetic words from heaven? And you all have painful memories. That you need to be healed. I can remember things. But I don't have the sting of their pain. And I can't remember some things anymore. I knew there were some things there. But I can't remember them. It's not because I don't remember things. I actually have a very supernatural mind. However, God has given me the gift of divine amnesia. In some areas. (laughs) The ability to forget pain. Is sometimes a gift. Put your hand right there. Say, Dear God, my mind will no longer harbor memories of pain. Things that have happened to me that when I think about them, I get angry. I feel the same emotions all over again. I receive healing right now for that area of my life in the name of Jesus Christ. The devil is a liar. And I receive the peace of God. And I receive the peace of God. 
Beautiful dreams and no nightmares. My children will not have nightmares. In Jesus' name, amen. Hug two people around you and say, praise God. Put on my music. Now, as I'm ending this, tonight we're here at what time, Pastor Jack? Six at 6 o'clock. Now, I know that for some of you, going to church twice on a Sunday does not, is not part of your culture. You've, you have a one-service culture a week. That's your culture. But there are times that the Holy Spirit sets special times for encounters with God. And this is just one more service. Sometimes I'll go for 13 days in a row. I went for 30 days in a row last year. And they would have kept going. I'm just saying, you have to decide if an hour and a half of your time is too much to pay for your entire possible destiny being released. I'm just asking. I don't mean to guilt you. I just mean to guilt you. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Think about it. And let's pray right now. Close your eyes as a sign of privacy. Not as a sign of religion. Every one of you with your eyes closed is in a private world right now. No one can go there but you. Your eyes are closed and you're seeing many things right now. You're thinking many things. There's all kinds of thoughts going through your mind. But there is a question that every man on earth and every woman on earth has to answer. The question of eternity. And will you go to heaven when you die? The question is this. Are you 100% sure that if you died today, you would go to heaven? Can you say without any doubt at all, 100% doubt-free, if I died a day in my car, in my house, in my kitchen, in my bed, watching TV, driving to a restaurant, will I go to heaven? Will I go straight to heaven? Because if you are not 100% sure, you're still in a dangerous place. My question is this, do you want to go to heaven when you die? Do you want God to put that peace in your heart? Do you want Him to write your name in the book of life? Do you want to walk every day with an inner peace that only God can give you every day? So I'm going to ask you a question and ask you to do something very simple right there where you're sitting. If you say, I want that peace, and I want to know 100% that I'm going to go to heaven when I die, if you want that, all I'm going to ask you to do right where you're sitting is for you to lift your hand right now high enough for me to see without shame or doubt or questioning. Oh my God, look at all the hands going up everywhere. People are raising their hands high without shame. Lift them where God can see them. Do not be ashamed. Straight up, everywhere, hands. There, 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 hands everywhere are going up because people are making a decision. This will be the last day of fear and doubt. Hands are up everywhere. Now, if you did lift your hands, would you stand up right there where you're at and let me pray for you right now? Stand to your feet if you lifted your hand and let me pray with you right now. 
and let us settle this issue forever. Praise the Lord. Everyone that's standing up, look at me for one minute. It is an honor for me to pray with you. It is a privilege for me to pray for you, and I would like to do it. But I would like to have your permission to do it. Now, if I do have your permission, would you wave your hand at me? May I lead you in a prayer in this area? And can we make peace on that? Wave your hand at me if I can. I'm not going to embarrass you or make you say anything to anybody. But I would like to look into your eyes when I pray for you. Would you just leave your seat very quickly and come up here. Please give them a hand as they come. Walk quickly. I will not embarrass you. Walk right up here and clap like your mother's coming up here. If you know one of these people, stretch your hands out directly to them. There's two kinds of people up here. People that are saved that have doubts. And people that are not saved and are getting saved for the first time. Either way, both things need to be taken care of. Praise the Lord. So I want to tell you how it all works. Every one of you is going to someday, if you haven't already... Ask someone to forgive you. Some of those people are going to say, No, I will not forgive you. And they will die with that unforgiveness in their heart. They will never forgive you. Others you will ask to forgive you, and they will say, Yes, I do forgive you. But the next time you do something wrong, they'll bring up everything they forgave you for because they cannot forget. So God is not just a forgiver, He also erases what you did from his mind do you understand what I just said not only are you being forgiven everything you've done is being erased just as if you did not do it so when you walk out that door you walk out with no monkeys on your back and you're totally free from your past because no one can live with a corpse on their back in order for this to happen, you've got to forgive those people that have hurt you. And you have to forgive yourself for what you've done to other people and done to yourself. Are you ready to do that? Everybody ready? Church, are you all ready? Let's pray with them. Praise the Lord. There are three of you that didn't come forward and did not lift your hands, but you are not sure you're going to go to heaven when you die. It is a very foolish thing to sit there. I'm asking you to stand up. If that's one of you, there's at least three of you. And please come up here and do what you know is right. Praise the Lord. That's one person, but I know there's at least three. Get up and do the right thing because it's the right thing for you to do. And you know it in your heart. There's two people. Where's the third person? Where are you? Get up. Don't go, don't, go, don't go home feeling that torment, putting your head on your pillow and not being sure. It's not just going to go away. Public confession releases heavenly assurance. This is the way God said it. If you're ashamed of me in front of people, I'll be ashamed of you in front of my Father. But if you confess me in front of people, I'll confess you before my Father. All right, there's the third person. Praise the Lord. Now, let's all pray together. Are you ready? Say, Dear God in heaven, forgive me for all my sins. 
for all the bad things I've ever done. I repent for them. I repent for serving the devil. I repent for being a devil. I repent for everything I've ever done. Wash me and cleanse me in your precious blood, Jesus. Come and live inside my heart. Write my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. I want to know that I'm going to go to heaven. And I want to serve you all my life and be your disciple. Mentor me so that I can walk in peace in the name of Jesus. I believe that I have been forgiven. The slate is clean. And I'm going to go to heaven because I'm going to walk with God in fellowship with him and serve him for the rest of my life in the name of Jesus. Dear God, I am all yours and you are all mine. I'm going to heaven. Praise God. Where are you folks going? All right, now listen. I want you to turn around and face the church. Don't walk, don't do nothing. Just turn around and face the church. Ladies and gentlemen of the jury. Can I present to you these men, women, and children that are on their way to heaven and the devil is a liar. Celebrate their choice today that's going to alter their future and alter their life. Amen. All right, you may be seated and give them a hand as they sit down. Let's all praise the Lord. I want to say two more things. I'll be in the back to give you prophetic words in the books you buy. And uh, the last thing I want to say, if those of you that want to help us in the offering, we are raising money for our orphans' food. This is something I do now. I have to do it all the time because we have so many. And we have 13,500 meals that we have to raise every month that are not included in all the sponsorships and, and, and people that we have that are helping. We are building so many new buildings. We have just completed our brand new 10,000 square foot church. We're dedicating that in two weeks. And a very big building. We've also finished uh, the middle section of our big school, 24,000 square feet, which is the uh, science labs and all of those things inward inside gymnasium. We are now going to begin building a malnutrition hospital. There will be nothing like this hospital in all of South or Central America. It'll probably cost me six to seven hundred thousand dollars. We will have full-time pediatricians around the clock saving the lives of malnourished babies. We will also have a surgical unit attached where we'll have two full-time surgeons, that are plastic surgeons, and all they do is repair cleft palates. Give a face to a child and you give a new identity to that child. And there are thousands of children in, in Guatemala and surrounding countries that will be coming in by bus. And we're just going to believe we're going to get them all, all taken care of. That's a big miracle that's going to take place. Praise the Lord. I haven't begun that, but that's uh, one of our next projects. So glory to God. Amen. We're moving and doing and all that. And we're just going to keep doing and keep moving and keep doing. And thank you for whatever you do. And I appreciate it. One dollar per meal. So. When you give $10, you buy 10 meals. You give $1,000, you buy 1,000 meals. That's how it works. God bless. Merry Christmas. See you tonight at 6, 1233. Praise God. Pastor, come on.